It's the Tillcast episode 562, Ewok Battle Cry. And this week, guys, we talk Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, The Lies of P, and Lamplighters League. Stay tuned. Might have been called Space Winnebago. We'll never know. Yeah. So Tiltcast. It is an M-rated show. Um it is October eighth at uh two thirty-five PM Central Time. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. I'm Grumpy. Rusty. And with the th- I was gonna say with the seven of us, because now I'm thinking dwarves. Uh, oh with the three of us, you're gonna get about thirty minutes of bullshit. Bullshit. Some games, some news. Um, we're all three not doing hot today. Uh, nope. No. Jason, what's wrong with you? So either either I'm trying to get a uh, sinus infection or one of my kids gave me a cold. Not exactly sure which one. So, and we spent all day at the fair yesterday. Oh, yeah, that's going on. it with with me already feeling shitty um so you know i just kind of exasperated the chest congestion so i've just like laid in bed all day can i go back to bed if i can't you can't well but you'll say that i can that's bullshit and you know it (laughs) i'll uh i'll go back to bed whenever the fuck i feel like it thank you very much yeah. What's wrong with me? I'm slowly waiting for the heat death of the universe. What's what do you <laughs> what is it? What's that mean? Uh it's it's just if you've ever had like one of those off days where you just wake up and you're like there is no right side of the bed. That's that's today. I know. Uh, I, uh, for those you don't know, just, Rusty gets manopause every now and then. Manopause. You you're a bitch. I'm, uh, I I kind of am, and uh, <laughs> I have good reason. I went out. We, we were going to uh, trying to figure out when we we're going to record, and I had shit to do Saturday, and then uh, not a lot to do Friday. And then it seemed like Sunday would be the best day. Well, Friday I went and saw Casey at his new house, which you guys, if you ever get a chance, he's got a. a incredibly big house. Casey's been on the show a few times. He's going to deploy again here in February. So I just very randomly called him up. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I just moved into my new house. I was like, well, can I come over and see it? So I did. So our old buddy Casey um, is now in like a 2,800 square foot house that he fully remodeled. Um, It's a massive house. And he's got an acre of land and a huge garage to work on all of his cars and all that other stuff. Uh, it's a it's a massive property. It's over there in Jinx. Actually, not that far from you, Jason. Yeah. Um, just outside of city limits, basically. But uh, um, what's that? Oh, I I I, I want to build something about that. Yeah, you're about yeah. you're uh in the middle of trying to figure out how to build a house for yourself too, huh? Yep. <sighs> I'm uh. It's kind of an exploratory stage. I've kind of got the uh, the idea of where I want it and what I want. It's just uh, make or happen. If there's a, a sugar mama out there that wants to help me out, that'd be great. 
Well, Casey didn't get a cheap deal, but compared to the rest of the nation, he did. Like, yeah, Casey bought yes. his father-in-law's old house that's been on the market for like four years because it needed repairs and sunk like $130,000 into repairing it. Um, but it's a gigantic house and it's 100% redone inside. Like it looks like a brand new house inside. And of course, you know, he's got three kids and a wife, right? Like, so it's the perfect size, but it's like a 1300 square foot house with a whole nother house built onto it. Um, it's massive. Wow. Wow. Um, And not that far from a lot of things too. So he's, uh, set himself up pretty, but yeah. Um, and so last night I was, I, uh, one of the bands that I know, I I can pimp them here and it called Hari Kari, uh, over here in town, uh, Tulsa Medical Corps band, um, wrote me into, uh, taking some photos of them last night and then doing some promo pics for them before the show. So I did that and I get in this weird space sometimes when I'm like working, anytime I'm doing photos, this doesn't happen to me if I go and see a friend at the bar cause I'm talking, but I'll, uh, I'll slam a beer when I got a second. So I'll walk up to the bar, and especially if they have cans, I'll go up there and I'll just grab a can, and I'll drink it in under a minute, right? Like, not completely chug it to where I get, you know, the huge burp, but or, like, open my throat, but, like, I literally just, I take, like, three swigs and I'm done. And I wasn't keeping a good count of where I was at with that. And about midway through the end of their sex, they were the headliner, I realized I'd fucked up. And I thought I was doing good because I was slamming waters in between everything, too. So, like, this place is small. So, like, I can just step back from the stage for a second if they're setting up for another song or doing a sound check. I go back there and I get a water and a beer. And I'd slam the beer real quick and I'd slam the water. But the water, they're only filling up like a third full because they just take a huge scoop of ice and throw it in there. And so I thought I was getting a water in between every beer as I was doing it. But I was getting like a third of a water between every beer. And that beer count ended up being about 14. Um, Damn. So I was having trouble standing towards the end of their set. (laughs) and I am a little bit scared to see a few of the photos I did. I hope I was in focus and I had the right, like when I'm in my right, the right set of mine, I, I'm pretty tack sharp. And I just guys sent you guys one before I felt that point. So I feel like (laughs) I've got some good ones and then I'm going to get to the end and be like, this is embarrassing. But fortunately for me, I don't have to send every single photo. Um, and then I woke up this morning, one of the, the guitar player for that band was like, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit sick. And I was like, oh shit, stay away. Um, and I felt like I was a combination of sick and hungover. And I had said something like, I think I'm too drunk to sh- be shooting tonight. Um, in our little group chat. And then Jason was, was kind of sympathetic and was like, oh, maybe you should just sleep it off, blah, blah, blah. Being real nice. I was like, I'm not going to be a pussy. I'm a, <laughs> I can do this. I actually specifically told you to take a large amount of Excedrin and just go back to bed and talk to me again in four to six hours. Yeah, it was about eight this morning, and I was feeling cocky. I was like, I got the hangover headache. I'll be all right. I just need to take a shower and like maybe take a walk, and I'll be good. And uh, I stood up, and the world was swimming, and I was like, holy shit, this is not what I meant to do um, at all. And, uh, yeah, I... uh, I'm ever puked. I did shit like four times this morning. Um, I couldn't keep the thought of putting anything in my mouth other than water or Gatorade was really appalling. So I didn't even take an Excedrin or anything like about an hour of me trying to stand up and like be normal. 
And I'd fed the dog. I was like, I'm going to go back and lay down. And then I went into a coma. Like I blacked out my room, blacked out. Like it was crappy this morning because the light was just my enemy. But like even the I've got a bathroom with a window in my bedroom, right? It was just like blurring sunlight into my room. So like I blacked out everything, curled up, went back to sleep. And then I just slept like a baby for like three hours. And then I woke up, took a shower and I was like, nothing had ever happened. Like I'm still like a little shaky. Went, got me some calazone. Um, I'm caffeinated as fuck now. Well, I'm like 90%. So, but I took about 20. Yeah. I, I wasn't paying attention last night too. And I like the camera I have, right. has like several burst modes. If I'm taking action shots, right. I'll do like a little three shot burst to make sure I capture it in focus. Well, I put it on like the maximum setting, which gives me like 30 shot bursts and half a pull. And so I have 120 gigs worth of photos and almost 3,000 to go through. And so that's why I was like, we got to start because I'm just going to, this takes so long to call. Like it took on my SD card reader, which is reading at 100 megs a second, it took 23 minutes this morning to get that to transfer over. <laughs> like I actually only on my C drive, I only have 120 gigs left. So like I've got to call shit like crazy. And then I've got to travel here in a few days. So like I've got very little time to finish all these. Um, it was fun. Like I, I met some, I met a, this won't mean much to you guys. Maybe it will to somebody in the audience, basically like a death metal punk band full of guys, my age and older called grave huffer. Uh, that were really nice. Um, uh, <laughs> I love wearing, I'm wearing one of their t-shirts. They gave me a bunch of shit, um, as a trade for some photos while I was there. Um, I just, you know, gave him my card, let them look at the stuff and like, yep, we'd like that. Um, take some photos of us. Here's a couple of shirts and a whole bunch of like, and a CD and a bunch of shit. And I was like, all right, I guess now I'm also uh, very obligated to take a bunch of pictures of you. So, but they were pretty cool guys. Uh, but it was just, it's just funny. Like the older we get, right? Like these guys are, I want to say late forties, early fifties, right? Playing this kind of stuff. It's just the. Never thought it would be this different. This this generation is just so much different than our parents' generation. Um, not a lot of polo short shirt khaki wearing sons of bitches in this group of uh, elder millennials, yeah, I guess no. I would say, or Gen Xers. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Yeah, and everybody like. Either we just look the same, right, or we just didn't age as bad as our, our parents or our parents' generation. I think it's because everybody smoked like crazy, and like we used to, and we stopped. But, like, it's weird. You'll see people like our age that look like they're still 30-something, right, or maybe late 20s. And then you'll run into somebody from high school that either decided they had to emulate their parents or, like, did drugs or smoked like crazy or drank too hard. And they look like our parents' generation. <laughs> but <laughs> there's uh, quite a few people that don't look quite their age. And it's just weird to me. But yeah, uh, that band that I was taking pictures of, they're all gray. They're all covered in tattoos. Um, but, you know, you know, they, they it's just different. Like, that's not what my dad's generation was like. But we're here to talk about video games. And uh, Rusty was has been playing Space Legos. So uh, tell us what you've been up to, Rusty. Oh, shit. Still play 
Sorry. I uh, had to get that out so that I wasn't yawning directly into people's ears. Oh my god, the dog's barking now. All right. Um, you thought he heard an Ewok. That was <laughs> kind of is Ewok of the house. Uh, yeah. So I've been I've been uh, playing uh, like you said, Space Legos. Uh, Space Legos is basically uh, build a ship in uh, uh, in Starfield. So I've gotten to a a, f- a fairly decent point. Haven't really done fuck off with the story. Um, <laughs> just building ships. I, I just been building ships, or and and doing things to be able to, like, build better ships. What, like, are you capturing ships instead of blowing them up? No, uh, actually, there's uh, there's a, a number of different uh, uh, storylines that you can do that end up giving you a ship at the end of it, uh, and. One of those is what I was after. I spent most of the day yesterday doing faction quests for uh, uh, the Freestar Rangers to be able to get their ship. Is that a really heavily modded version of that ship? So, yeah, that's a very heavily modded version of that ship. That ship was basically torn down to the uh, the very bare minimums and rebuilt with specific parts um you know to uh you know, to get it but if you do the freestar collective or freestar ranger uh quest line all the way through you get uh, we're a, talking uh, starfield if nobody figured it out yeah i said that oh I did you yeah, yeah yeah um you get uh you get a ship at the end of it uh it's called like the uh, Nova Star, or I don't know what the fuck it's called, but um, it's it's got some of the it's the one of the best A class ships you can get. Yes, it is very much so the uh, a a great A class ship. Now, the way that the you know this the system works in in the game is so you can modify pretty much everything in you know in the game, but certain parts you can only purchase. If you have certain skills, okay, and there's there's but, level requirements too for some of them, right? So you might need like Starship Engineering four to be able to put these parts into a ship. But if you was to get a ship that has those parts in it, as long as you don't delete those parts, those parts can be rearranged and put into basically taken out of the frame of the ship and you can build a new frame around those parts yeah and that's what i did that has a really highly rated reactor so you can get a lot of energy out of that one so right it's got one of the best reactors it's got one of the best class a shields in the game uh and yeah it's it is absolutely nutty and uh what i was looking for was something that basically (laughs) didn't require a ladder because I hate ladders. Did, did you game. figure out you can just jump through a lot of those holes? Yeah, but I still hate them. I do too. Um, you got that Demos bridge that has the ladder yes. that has the stairwell in it. Yes, and it can connect two levels. And if you you can stack two levels, and then like the way that I did it, I almost always that you always use that cockpit. It's awesome. 
because I'll put like a place to sleep and I'll put my exit hatch on just further on down. And then I'll put my, um, my exit hatch for like ground landing in the front so I can walk in, go up and then immediately just walk towards the bridge. Or when I'm leaving, which is also the room that has a bed, I can walk at, walk downstairs out of the bridge, go to the bed, sleep for one hour, which gives you a 10% boost and then exit. But if, and then if I board somebody, right, like it's just at the back of the ship and that's how I built all my ships for ease of use. Like there's always a bed on the way to out the door um, in either direction. And then everything else that you need, like you can put to the side. But I got to a point where you, I was not using a lot of the extra modules for crafting on my ship. I have all those at my base so that I can build a lighter, faster ship and just stock it with crew modules. Um, so like Great. that way that you get more boost to your stats for the ship. Yep. I, uh, I basically did something similar. So, uh, what I was looking to do with the ship is just be able to have something that was good for combat for a change because, oh my God, like I got another ship that was part of a, a quest line. It was, um, you know, I guess this doesn't really spoil it, but it's the Mantis quest line. Right, the Razor Leaf. I did that ship first, and it's all right. It's it's it's, way better than your starting ship. Right, but it's barely better than the starting ship. You can you can trick it out. I have a class I have a class C razor leaf. Okay. It has the bones there. (laughs) Right. I guess I guess that's that's fine, but it was too cramped for me. Like everything was jammed into that damn thing. It was like very cramped. I wanted something that was like pretty expansive. So I picked this uh I pick up pick this ship up and I'm like, I'm gonna trick this fucker out. So I put the uh uh the uh the the ramp basically at the back of the ship. Um and then you go in through the back of the ship and right when you get through the there is the uh docking uh the docking hatch. So that's at the back of the ship for me. Then there's the beds are right there next to that so i could just come in from the outside sleep in the bed go back outside um and then you just i continue through um there's there is one ladder in there that i never use that goes up to the captain's quarters um and then you go i i've got a a big hab that's like you know the crew like living space quarters off that is the workbenches and stuff like that. And then you go through into the cop, uh, cockpit, which gives you the, uh, that, that the ramps on both sides. So you don't have to use the ladders. And then that goes into a command center on the top level that off to the right is a, uh, an armory and then the captain's quarters in the back. So it's looks like you made really good use of a lot of the pieces to make a neat looking ship. Yeah, it's it's very it flows very well. Um, It doesn't require a whole lot of, uh, you know, going up and down. And man, it's like the first ship that I've been in that actually feels like you're not going to bump your fucking shoulders into everything. (laughs) 
because everything was so like uh winnebago style fucking like i'm gonna cram this shit into this shit and fucking be, well be the it, no. the first ship you get is basically like a 70s winnebago it is <laughs> like it's not it's, fuel efficient it's slow it's super cramped it has well not the winnebagos have weapons but mm -hmm. it's uh it's just it's it ju it's a spaceship it like it just doesn't it it's just it's bad so I uh I I decided to go with something a little bit more uh more me, more starship style like not fucking space winnebago. Um but for me I wanted to also make sure that it was fairly decent at combat. You know, the shields were a big thing. I'm a shield tanker. Um cuz I don't like having to carry around a fuckload of ship parts. Uh so yeah, because they're uh, heavy. Uh, yeah, they're very heavy. So, so you, you carry 15 space or ship parts, it's like 150 to your cargo. Right. So I decided to get something that was, you know, shield heavy that I can keep the pips in the shields so that it regens really fast. Uh, and then the way to go for uh, for weapons is to not waste your weapon pips is in in this game you can actually like change the different power uh power allocation for your weapons. I found that I was never using my missiles. Yeah, I um, I only have one ship with missiles. And I was also not using I mean, if you're using one weapon, you tend to you know, if you try to use two different kinds of weapons, you tend to run out of ammo for lack of a better term with uh uh, with those weapons if you just like continually try to fire well if you get if you set up all of your weapons so that you can have full pips in those weapons they basically never run out of ammo it's also a good idea to do just two weapons i always did the uh i guess they're like electron beams or something like that not the ones that disable but it's just not lasers Right. And then I will do like a cannon type weapon for the melee weapon or melee weapon, the weapon for not shields. Right. So what I decided to do was I decided to go full into um, uh, energy weapons because you can take one um, one skill that increases the damage of all of your energy weapons. Well, that meant that. I decided to go with um, uh, their proton beams. Yeah, proton and they beams do are a good. Fuckload of damage. And I think they do the same damage to shields and hull. Yes, they do the same damage to shields and hull, and they're really long range. They're like like three thousand five hundred is like reach out and touch somebody. Fucking range. Um. So, I have four of those on my ship. And they're all tied to one weapon group. And if I put all of the pips into that, they will constantly fire. And they will never run out of ammo. Yeah, I think one of my favorite builds is proton beams plus railguns. Yep. Well, the uh, the other thing I have on there, because as you were saying before, you know, stealing ships is fun. Um, I have a set of EM weapons. Uh, and. I can put full pips into the EM weapons and they will 
constantly fire. And boy, do they disable stuff. Yeah, real fast. <laughs> that that disables an entire ship in like in the space of one uh one targeting slowdown or fucking like one vats slowdown, right? Um you can disable the entire ship and be able to board it in in just a few seconds. And it's oh so nice. I do the you don't make a lot of money from selling ships, but Unfortunately. I I do go I like going in there, fighting, getting all the loot that's in there, right? And then um seeing if I want to keep the ship or not, right? And then if I don't want to keep the ship, then I just exit and blow it up. But the uh I do like I don't know what it is that you gotta disable specifically, but sometimes when you disable stuff like the gravity will be disabled and everything's floating around and that's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, okay. Except for yeah. when you're using a revolver and then it just, every time you shoot it, you shoot your, you blow yourself back like 10 feet. I um, use a revolver. That's going to be amazing. I got to do this. Yeah. Like when you're boarding ships, um, if you, I can't remember what system you disable, but one of the systems you disable will disable the gravity and it'll show on there. Like if it'll say grav, if the, gravity maybe it's the grab drive maybe that makes sense it but makes sense, yeah um it'll say grab on it and then you'll know that it'll be zero g when you get in there to fight so at that point you switch to like laser weapons that don't have recoil and then it doesn't blow you back um i've had a lot of fun of that game like I'm glad it's it's a weird sandbox there's no other sandbox like it i'm gonna keep saying that um I, I know there's there was a little bit more to it as far as I just I wish the space sim portion of it should have, you know, I want to see that fleshed out. I want to see that fleshed out in more expansions. I'd like to do a lot more space fighting, to be honest with you. And I'll pick the mm-hmm. missions to do space fighting because they're pretty quick. Um, And then you get some decent loot out of them. Right. And you'll usually get like a few elites that are on the ship. That's the other reason I board. Right. Get whatever elites that are on there and see if they got any good weapons. Um. But yeah, I do like playing the space combat portion, but like it's, you know, it's a whole bunch of quiz, quick burst combat. And there's a few like epic space battles, but it's kind of few and far between. Um, in my head, that's where they need to focus um, more development on. You need to you need to finish a story. I will. I will actually, you know, I'd like to talk to you about it afterwards. I just, I, yeah, uh, eventually, uh, I want to, I want to have fun with it. I mean, yeah, not, <sighs> I know there's other games to play and I, and I really do want to like get into some other games or go back to some games that I've like put on the back burner, but also really just want to enjoy my time with a game for a while. No, oh, I don't, I don't blame you. I put. 200 hours into that game yeah and this is this is like this is the way for me to like enjoy it because i'm doing stuff with uh uh the outposts i'm uh, actually filling out different outposts and doing different things with it um there's a lot of different stuff that you can do with this game it's not just combat um it takes not, it's a slow it's a slow burn of a game though like until you kind of oh figure God, out the it. the fundamentals of like what because there's so many different 
in a way, right, like there's a whole bunch of different mini games in Starfield, right? You got the space portion of it, the shipbuilding portion of it, the outpost portion of it, the radiant design of some of the quests, right? The planet exploration portion of it and the weird weird dungeon grind you can do with that. Then you got the faction missions. You got the main mission. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the loyalty missions from your people that you get as, as companions, right? And then you've got the whole main quest portion, which is just completely different than the rest of the game. It's a little bit disjointed, but like there's so many different things. It's, it suffers a little bit with spreading your focus too wide. And so yeah. sometimes you have to like kind of just concentrate on one thing at a time to get the most out of it. I've played the game in a way of like, I'm just going to clear out quests. And I think that's a bad way to play it because it just turns into a checklist thing. Right. You pull up the thing to see how many quests are by you. Then you go and you do all those quests and then you just feel like you're just checking boxes. And so typically that and that kind of killed it for me. So like I'll just focus on a faction for a while until I get what I want out of that faction and then focus on the next set of things. Right. Or maybe I'll be like, oh, I've got these random quests. Let's just start doing some of those and I'll just do them in order instead of trying to do everything that's in a single area because the loading doesn't take that long. Um, yeah. and, then, and some of those lead to really long quest chains. Um, like there's a whole, whole quest chain in an area, like on the farthest, farthest, farthest reaches of space. It's like a whole 10 hour quest chain of stuff for a very mm-hmm. random group that I really liked, um, that I'm actually on right now before I put it down again. Um, that's just like a whole nother section of stuff to do. That's just like way off in the galaxy that you wouldn't discover if. You just didn't randomly hear a distress call. Right, right. Yeah, that's another thing. I was like, the you were talking about it a little bit while I was playing Baldur's Gate. You know, the fact that, you know, the uh, the quests will just kind of update from you over here and stuff. Um, That is, that kind of, uh, that flushes out the, uh, you know, the random shit that you're here, you know, that you hear in towns, because most of, most of the time when you're playing an RPG, a lot like, you know, a lot like this, you're going to hear the same freaking lines over and over again. Um, but every so often, one of those things will just turn into a quest. You're like, oh, um, yeah, maybe I should go talk to this person. I like that it went that approach versus the Baldur's Gate talk to everybody approach. That was one of the only like gripes I had with Baldur's Gate. It's like you had to seek out a lot of quests, which means you had to just interact with everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. And in uh, in uh, Baldur's Gate, the town, there's like a thousand NPCs. <laughs> yeah, there's so much. Like Jason, you're like probably about halfway through that right now, right? Uh, yeah, halfway through Act Three, about. Yeah, you still got a ways to go. Like, there's a whole, I want to say there's like four sections to that area. Maybe five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's there's quite a bit to do in, in the Baldur's Gate proper. I, are you still enjoying your time with that game? Oh, absolutely. I just wish I had more time to actually sit down and play it. Yeah, I feel that. It's. I want more time. Both of these games are the two largest time eater games of the whole year, bar none. And I think it'd be easy for anybody with a normal schedule that's not that's unlike me or 
rusty sometimes where you have these big spaces of time to just gobble up a game, um, can gobble up a game. Like it, anybody could have gotten into both of these games around August and September and play them these just these two games through the end of the year. Like there's just yeah. so much to do. Yes, very, very much so. I did a, I did try out a few new games, and I'll oh, yeah. talk about those. Um, Liza P. Um, I'm almost finished with that game. Um, again, I think if you learn how to how to perfect block, the game does become considerably easier. It's never easy. Like there's been times like I had to put it down because I was just getting melted so hard. Um, but like I'm just slowly chunking my way through that. I'm actually on the last chapter right now, but it's all hard stuff. And I got a photo project, so it'll probably take me till I'm on podcast next time to even beat that. I don't know that it's next week. I'm pretty much booked all week, so I don't know if I'm going to play that much game this this next week. But so far, that's been a really enjoyable experience. It's a lot more linear than a, the Souls games. Like, you pretty much know what direction you need to go at all times. Um, if I was to give any tips, aside from just learning how to block, uh, imperfect block, um, don't treat it like Souls because you don't have as many iframes on a dodge. Um, there are times where it's better to just run away. Um, the mini bosses are often harder than the main bosses. And uh, don't be afraid to use your items. It, it's pretty liberal with the amount of items it gives you. Um, there's a lot of boss. There's several points in the game so far where I've had more than one boss in a boss fight. In fact, one I was kind of stuck on for a little bit was three bosses all at the same time, um, which was pretty rough. And then there was another one like this, where it's three bosses all at once, and then a main boss after that, um, which was pretty rough. Um, that took a lot of perfect blocking and using the environment to my advantage. Um, there's been a, like the, a lot of the bosses have two stages, which is kind of neat. Like you kind of kill off stage one and then something happens and then you get a new version of the boss for stage two. Those are hard, but I can comfortably say. So the hardest time I had in the entire game was learning the perfect block. And the very first boss in the game, 10 minutes into the game, teaches you how to do that. It took me like 20 attempts because I was learning how to perfect block. <clears throat> and then once I got that. I basically just got that, right? Like, so after that, I've I've never attempted a boss more than five times. Um, which means that I've every time I've ran into a boss, like, I can get it within 30 minutes to an hour. So um, if you're into the Souls combat, like, it's a really tightly tuned game when it comes to the combat. I think it's great. I think it's good to max out two or three weapon types that do different attack types. So for example, I got a, a glaive that does a sweeping attack. Um, it really sucks in tight quarters because I hit the wall. <laughs> so it doesn't work like that. So I've also got a couple of spears to help me out. Then I got one weapon that is like a scythe that extends that does huge sweeping attacks. So I can do area of effect when I'm getting attacked by more than one thing. Um, but the other sweeping attack weapon I have has better stagger, so it's better for 1v1 or 2v1. And then the spear I have, like, it's like a 
what do you call it? It's like a jousting spear. Like my guy, like the heavy attack on it just makes him run with the spear and it does huge stagger. And what stagger does is like stuns them so you can get off a couple of power attacks. And that's basically what I do. I can just close distance, charge in and do a whole bunch of stagger and then do a couple of really heavy attacks on the boss or the big enemy or whatever. But it's really neat. Um, but yeah, like don't, you can respec at a certain point and it's not all that expensive. I haven't actually taken advantage of the respec because I haven't needed to. Um, I went full dex build basically and just invested points in that. I guess other quick things that I figured out is 40 is the soft cap for um, dexterity and strength and magic. So that'd be technique, motivity, and uh, advance. And then you don't have a soft cap for carry weight. So it's just three pounds every time you put a point into it, which is helpful because you don't want to be fat rolling everywhere. And then your stamina, I think, hard caps at 30 or soft caps at 30. And I think your health starts to soft cap at like 30. So I think early game, you build up your stamina and your life a lot with some points into damage. And then you start to build up your damage. So like I've got 40 on my technique, which is my decks. But overall, um, the game's pretty interesting. It's pretty fun. Um, it's pretty difficult. It's not as difficult as freaking Armored Core 6. It's holy shit, that game's hard as fuck. Um, and I don't think it's as hard as Dark Souls 1, specifically Ornstein and Smog. Um, a okay. boss, a boss fight that it took me literally a month to figure out. Um, but as a whole, Armored Core 6 is still the hardest game I've played in 20 years. Um, yeah, if you like a pretty difficult game and you like these types of games, like it's a pretty hard recommend. It's really good. Um, I started Lamplighters League. Um, I'm having fun with that. I'm also, I have one huge complaint that I've just made me put the whole game down. Um, it's got some weird performance bugs. So you've got a, it's basically XCOM. Like it literally is just XCOM set in a weird 1920s alternate universe. That's very steampunk slash, um, not HR Geiger, uh, mountains of madness. Who wrote that? Um, having a brain fart Cthulhu. Um, Oh, uh, Lovecraft. It's very, yeah. it's got a whole Lovecraft theme to it. Like all of that stuff's really neat. What's not really neat is that it doesn't save your saves and your saves override each other. Sometimes you think you saved and then you walk back in and then you lost like two hours of progress because it picked up on a way old save. There's some kind of weird save issue. Um, and I'm just not going to play it anymore until that's fixed because it is frustrating me to hell. Like been through some really hard fights with that game that took a long time. And then I come back to the game and it's like three missions earlier. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'm not going to replay that much time. So I'm uh, very frustrated with that game, though I want to like it. Because I like a lot about it. Like, once I've got into it, I liked a lot about it. I played it long stretches. And then I just thought I was saving wrong or the file was corrupting. And then I did some research, went to the official Paradox forums. And uh, yeah, it's totally a thing. Not just Game Pass, but Game Pass especially. It's the cloud safe on Game Pass because it cloud safe so you can play on um, the cloud. Um, mm. Is junking up the save real hard, yeah. and the uh, so like there's this whole thing where you should always manually save over your old manual save when you manually save, 
and that's your main okay. save file. And then sometimes that doesn't work. And with as long as each encounter takes, I don't want to continue to frustrate myself and waste time um, with that quote unquote feature. Um, but aside from that, something me and Rusty had some fun with the other night. Um, we played the new patch for Dark Tide. So oh, just, yeah. just released for console as well and on Game Pass for console. Um, what'd you think of your, uh, your, uh, your space priest? My space priest? Uh, uh, my, my space priest was, uh, beating people in the face with our hammer, which is my preferred way of space priesting. Uh, <laughs> they, they got a lot more abilities now, right? Yeah. The, uh, the, the tree definitely gives you a lot of, uh, you know, a lot more, um, agency with how you want to do how how you want to build your character so of course the there's three different branches on each one of the trees uh and they focus in a different way so for instance on on my space priest the left branch was more uh melee berserker focused which is how the you know how that class actually was built in the, in the beginning uh, the middle tree is more ranged focused, and then the third tree was more backstab focused, which is new with this uh, with this update. Well, backstabbing because instead of a rush, you can become you can go stealth and then go right. and backstab something. Which, I mean, I guess that's a thing, but it just it feels like that would be the slowest way to play. <laughs> I bet it's. Um, if you're not playing like main melee guy and you have a knife, right? Like maybe you support in the back and when you see an elite, you hit that power to go invisible and sneak up behind that huge ogren or whatever, right? And then sneak not sneak a knife stab him or something, you know? Yeah, and and there was there was actually um the uh uh the the elf chick actually had something similar in uh Oh Vermintide uh, 2. Yeah, Vermintide 2. Which did have it did have its place like yeah i mean i remember you were playing with you know with the elf chick and went with the stealth build and holy shit you know like you uh do the backstab and it was like a lot of fucking damage a lot yeah. of fucking damage. and you do it on like like big elites right so like mm -hmm. you could knock off like half of its health in one hit it's just it's it for me it always felt like a one trick for me um like you can't do anything else you're basically built to backstab the big guys, and that's it. Um, which, if you're playing a balanced, you know, group of four, fine. That you know, you can have somebody that's specialized in that because one of those big elites can wipe out an entire party really quick, especially you, in harder difficulties. We had a moment like that where it was a, uh, I can't remember what the enemy type is, but the one that shoots the plague shit all over the place. Yeah. And uh, you had yeah. went down, one of the NPCs went down, and then I decided I was just going to hoof it to go pick you up instead of attacking. Yeah, he threw he you off threw the ledge. off the freaking railing. It was, it was like, it was, uh, it was one of those, you know, you fail. <laughs> do not pass go, do not collect $200. There is no, there is no reviving you because you fell to your death. <laughs> well, and I was playing a build that was good versus elites, but not good versus big monsters. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't have a I didn't have a typical weapon. I was playing my Psyker. 
I had the void staff, which shoots these big bolt blasts of energy. That's great versus even carapace enemies, but it's too slow of a charge to fight something one v one like a big monster. And it doesn't, for whatever reason, it doesn't do very. It wasn't doing good damage on that monster. It would have taken me twenty minutes to kill him with that. So I was like, "Fuck it, I don't have the right damage for this, and I don't think I'm going to be able to chainsword these guys down." So I'm going to hoof it, which is exactly what I did for like two whole rooms trying to find you. And then I pick you up, and then I can go back to killing everything else while everybody else focused that boss, which was kind of what that build. I did a Whistler build with the uh, Psyker. What I mean by that is he's got these little like heat-seeking daggers, right? Kind of like Whistler. And you just point at somebody's head and shoot it, and this dagger goes and pops the head of one, and then pops the head of another one, and then just like jumps around until it runs out of steam, I guess. But you usually like chain three, four, five guys at a time to get ten shots. Um, it's not super powerful versus big monsters, but it's pretty powerful versus elites. And uh, that was a really interesting build, but I don't have the build down right because I kept uh, almost blowing up. And then you were doing that build, and then I went, um, I called it Palpatine build, right, where I had the, like, infinite chain lightning, um, right. which didn't do crazy damage, but it it chained huge groups of enemies and locked them down to where they couldn't do anything. And as long as I killed them, it kept my, uh, whatever, my peril or whatever low so I could just keep casting. Just held down the button, like, for long periods of time. You're just like electrifying like 90 targets at a time. And it is incredibly satisfying. Um, it's really, really satisfying. Like it was, uh, it was great because every time you were palpatining, they would just pop a after a while. Uh, so it was, uh, I was up there swinging the hammer, doing my thing. And all of a sudden it would just be like, you know, a sea of red as things just start popping around me. It was, uh, it was, it was very satisfying. Yeah. Very like satisfying. it doesn't do good damage versus elites, but it holds them in place. Yes. So you can literally just walk up to something that's completely shocked and stunned and take them out. And then I just got to keep my lightning going and you can just go around and select what targets you want to get. Yep. Just beat the piss out of things. And I was, that's very, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. Uh, I, that that game makes me feel good because when I normally want to beat people up, let's go beat some plague dudes up. That's that's why people play uh, Call of Duty, right? Right. Except we're just fighting, you know, computer controlled I, enemies. Yeah, I just I like swinging my hammer, man. Yeah, and you <laughs> and you get a chance, Jason. Like, it's pretty great. And I think you have. Did you have the veteran? Is that who you're playing? He's asleep. I guess he is asleep. No, I'm playing the veteran. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, so the yeah, veteran, he's... the veteran has a couple of new modes too. So like, he has the hunter killer thing like he had before, right? But you also have one that can literally you can hit the button and literally like pick up people in your vicinity automatically. So like one of the other things, the support build, and when you hit your ulti, it just automatically picks people up and restores toughness. So if you're downed, just picks people up. It's amazing. There's a, uh, you have the fire grenade, but you also have something called the crate grenade. The crate grenade one shots elites, all elites. It's a sticky bomb. 
So you throw it at somebody, it sticks to them, and it will blow up any enemy on any difficulty. It's ridiculous. And on top of that, every 60 seconds, you generate a new grenade, and you can hold four. So it's ridiculous. Like, you can just kill all the uh, all the elites with the, with the fucking grenade, and it does good damage around him. And then the uh, I played a little bit with the Ogren. The Ogren's got something called Big Friendly Rock. And he just regenerates rocks, basically. So he's, the idea is he's picking up a huge boulder. He takes a boulder and then chucks it at something, and it does about half damage to an elite. But it's constantly regenerating, so you can constantly throw boulders, um, which is cool. He's still got the boxer grenades, but now he throws the boxer grenades, and then he does about half damage to the elite on the initial throw, and then six grenades drop around him, and then they blow up. Um, so you could hit an elite in the middle of a whole bunch of little guys and like do some really good damage with it. Like All the grenades have been upped. Um, the crit grenade especially has been up, but even with the zealot that Rusty's playing, like he's now got a flame. There's a whole flame build, but there's a flame grenade version of it um, that he's got. He's got a better version of the stun grenade, and then there's a whole bunch of talents for range damage with him and with flame damage with him. So you could just be a a uh, you know what do you call that a fire bat burn, from yes burn and eat burn 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 and eat. Yeah, it's very good. I, I've I enjoyed my time with it, and uh, that that's something that it desperately needed. Holy shit! Well, and you can save the build, so like, there's no cost to respec, so you can just play with stuff, and then you're like, oh, I don't like that. Go into that screen between missions and twink it around a little bit, right? And right. then you can build you additional can actually, builds, so like, you could just yeah. have four or five different builds of different stuff saved, and you just switch to which one you want. Yeah, the loadout thing was kind of nice. Um, but, yes, it was very one note before because you had one tree that was not a whole lot of deviation from, you know, from what the the norm was. So you couldn't really build your character the way you really wanted to. So in a sense, they went from having, you know, just the the normal lineup of uh of of rejects right to uh adding two additional classes to each one of them through this uh uh through the skill tree yeah and so now you basically like have 12 classes with variations on each of those classes because you can also pick spec uh passives and some of the abilities from the other trees so like you could go down right. Yeah. Uh, you could go down one tree and then deviate right to pick up all the passives and some of the extra abilities that you get from that trigger off certain things, right? And then deviate back all the way over to the other side of the tree. Yep. You can kind of pick and choose. You can't pick, you know, the cer there's certain capstone things that you, you know, that you pick one of and it locks it out for the other trees, but you can kind of pick your own path through those. So it's, you know, you 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 can do a lot of uh, picking and choosing. I started doing that with uh, with my melee builds so that I was able to get additional wounds, uh, so basically additional life, um, and I could you know get knocked down one additional time, um, you know things like that. So it's you know it it, it it's all it's a better a much better solution to uh, to the uh, to that game. It needed it badly. 
yeah it's, i it it needs more uh it, it, i'd say that it needs more rejects or different kinds of uh different flavors i'd say um but this gives oh, it's like the you know it gives you a lot more choice in between and fat sharks have always been kind of like <clears throat> we're going to put this game out the game's you know functional it plays it's you know it it's good and then over time they just tweak the fuck out of that game until it just finds its perfection and that's that's how vermintide and then vermintide 2 came and and ma'am i think this is it's what i expected from uh from them for uh dirt tide i think it's a good redemption arc like we liked the initial game but like this is definitely a quote-unquote game changer yeah uh, if they came up with and i still think that this is the you know one of the best game modes that they'd ever come up with is you know the chaos wastes from uh from vermintide 2 if they could come up with something similar for uh dark tide i'm all in because it forced you to like make choices and uh and get comfortable with different weapon types uh so that you can just kind of like make a build as you go like i figured out that i actually like axes in vermintide 2 and not just the uh you know the cog hammer you know uh so it was it was a it's something that needs to happen with you know with that game it's just it's going to evolve continue you know, continue to evolve if they could add a dwarf i'm in <laughs> yeah we'll see about that there's not any space dwarfs in the 40k universe is there yes there is okay well i guess we'll see yes, yes there is there's space dwarves in the 40k universe well do we want to take a break sure sure all right guys we'll be back it's the tiltcast episode 562 space winnebago no it's not and this week guys we (laughs) talk Baldur's gate 3 you fucked that up sir And we're back. Whoop. For all uh, struggling to be alive. No. Tis true. Um, very, very true. Not gonna lie. Tis true. Uh, yeah. You. Uh, there's a couple of big stories that have come out, right? There are. Um, firstly, that I'll spend uh, a short amount of time on. Uh, Microsoft is expected to close their deal for Activision Blizzard next week on the 13th, or I guess this week, technically now it's Sunday. Um, and this, um, the UK's uh, Competition and Markets Authority is set to uh, give the green light to the deal this week. So, um, and all indications say that they're likely to do so with uh, Microsoft agreeing to sell off the streaming rights for the Activision Blizzard games to Ubisoft. Um, so, I mean, at this point, looks like it's going to go through. The only one that's still 
technically contesting it is the FTC, but with a federal judge already having shot them down once, um, you know, if they do so, it looks like they're going to continue to do so after the deal's already gone through. That's interesting. Oh boy. The, uh, yep. I'm only concerned that because Activision and Blizzard only releases a few major IPs that it'll slow down what we see on, I guess it could have two effects, right? It's either going to slow down what we see on Game Pass or those things that they make will be available on Game Pass, but maybe that gives them the capital to acquire more things because those are major suppliers of funds, right? Exactly. It's Especially King Games. Um, they're just revenue generators. King Games? What do they have? Yeah. Candy Crush. Candy Crush, man. Oh. And a few others. Yeah, bullshit everybody's games, but... so focused on you know uh warcraft and Blizz, uh, diablo and shit like that that they're they're missing the fact that you know king games is part of that and uh the mobile game market that activision blizzard has actually makes them you know a lot of their money <clears throat> yep that's a huge revenue generator um, and then yeah. the second and I think bigger story is uh, uh, it was revealed yet uh, on various news sites yesterday that the staff at CD Projekt Red uh, have gotten together to u- unionize uh, after uh, CDPR announced a third wave of job c- job cuts this month which basically makes the third month in a row of job cuts um they're asking for improved workspaces and industry standards and in a way that has a legal power and amplifies their voices is their purpose for using unionizing they say um in comments from uh from the Game Dev Union website itself, um, they state that they start talking about unionizing after the first round of layoffs this year, uh, when 9% of Red's development team were let go. That was roughly 100 people. Dang. Um, they, they cited that uh, the layoffs created a tremendous amount of stress and insecurity affecting their mental health and leading to the creation of the union in response. Um, they're hoping that the uh, having the union means having more security, transparency, and better protection and a stronger voice in times of crisis. Hmm. You know, I'm all, I'm all for... Um, for anything that would uh, hopefully highlight a uh, a company not being a dick um, when they go about things like this, but at the same time, we've seen how um, uh, unions can either help or seriously harm certain industries. I hope this isn't one of those, but you know, with with these guys unionizing, that kind of opens up the door. Um, you know, and other companies I, for I devs it, to other devs to do the same thing. I think it's probably good in a game space because um, game developers are notorious for crunch. 
Right, making people work 80 hours a week for months on end, which is crazy, right, to hit arbitrary deadlines they set based on the financial quarters. And on the customer service side of it, right, the part where all the people that see the game, like, we want to just see finished games. We're not interested as much in a date of release, right? Um, the, the date's really only important when several good things come out in the same spot and you have to make choices on what you're going to play. But right. most people will wait till something's finished and then play it then. Like, good examples of that would be Baldur's Gate, right? I think the original release date was this time last year, and then they said it wasn't yeah. ready. Yeah, um, and they even did like a early, early thing back in 2020, way before. Yeah, a lot of the development was even out of the way. So, like, it was very well received, right? It came out. It had a few bugs, but not very much. Um, nothing game breaking for sure. Um, I ended up, you know playing and beating it inside that first month of release without any of the major updates and still had a blast with it, right? Like it was a very functional game and it was very highly polished. So like it felt good on release versus if maybe they'd released that a year earlier without some of the things that they changed. Um, I think it's better for it. And it's one of the highest rated PC games of all time now. Um, and they just waited. They didn't meet an arbitrary deadline and it was the part of them being basically self-driven, right? Like they didn't have another company lording over them, telling them they had to release at a certain time. Like Zven decided he was going to release it later on. And then that's what they did. They released it way later on. That gave them enough of a time to not have a huge crunch cycle to have a rushed product at the end. And you have stuff like Redfall that came out earlier this year that we had some hopes for that just fell flat on its face due to a million things working against it because it was set on an arbitrary deadline. It didn't feel like it was QA at all. It was kind of a boring game, right? Nobody was playing it because it just is about as milk toast of a shooter as you could get. <laughs> um, you know, and probably the wrong developer too, right? Like that's a game known for playing, for making very good single player games like Dishonored, um, Dishonored 2 and uh, Prey, that weird, relaunch of Prey, which actually turned into a pretty good game, even though it wasn't really Prey. Um, like, it's sad because I know, we all know what they're capable of. I won't say anything for the weird Rogue Light game they had that came out last year, which is okay, but didn't really capture my attention. But, like, for anything that wasn't anything that had a focused narrative, like those guys do really good at. Um, and there's just a trend to do a lot of open narrative stuff. And not everybody's really good at that. Um, same thing with, you know, all the big, massive shooters. Like, only one or two of those is really going to catch on. And then there's going to be a whole bunch of them that are dead. Because people can only focus on one big thing at a time. Not everything can be PUBG. So, anywho. Um, mm -hmm. Speaking of layoffs, Team 17. Uh, we were talking about big shooters. Hell Let Loose is uh, one of the games that they make. But they also do the Worms games, right? And then a whole bunch of indie games that you may or may not have ever heard of. Um, there's a story going on about layoffs. Um, it looks like they're just changing their QA team to an outsourced QA team versus an internal QA team. So I read into that thinking it was going to be massive layoffs. There is one person leaving um, from Team 17, I want to say one of the CEOs. Yeah, their CEO um, left. 
So that's a big deal. But the uh, QA team being outsourced versus being in-house is not necessarily a big deal. Um, no. That seems so kind of standard, honestly. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, we've seen um, where outsourced QA can really hurt a game too, though. That's true. Um, that is very true. If they don't give a shit about it or they're not reporting the stuff. Or honestly, if they're rushed to arbitrary deadlines instead of just being given the guidance to make sure it's good. You know? Right. Because it's a whole lot harder to control costs at third party. Right. Um. Mm. You run into issues with agreed upon contract price. Um, you know, and then if say the actual work's taking longer than what the contract anticipated, then you have that third party trying to crunch their people to uh, to make it within the contract terms, etc. Um, you know, so those things aren't necessarily. Uh, not saying that happens all the time, but I think we, um, I don't remember exactly which game it was about, but there were definitely examples of it last year. Yeah, I can't, can't remember. I remember there was exactly a story which about game that. that was involved with, but right off the top of my head, but we definitely talked about it in one of our episodes last year. Um, it sounds incredibly familiar because I feel like there was a pretty busted game due to outsource QA. Yeah. So, you know, there, you are kind of taking that risk whenever you do your QA third party. That's, that was my main point. But, you know, if that, if that helps you invest some money somewhere else towards development on that game, then that by all means, all power to you. Just use it right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm mentally checked out. I'm, uh, so I don't know what's going on. Um, speaking of shrinking, right? Um, <laughs> there is a uh, Telltale Games is not quite closing the doors, but in the middle of layoffs again, right? Like, everything closed they they closed the doors like back in 2018 and then restarted stuff we were talking about wolf among us 2 um according to them wolf and among us 2 is still in development um uh -huh. but they made a statement saying due to current market conditions we regrettably had to let some of our telltale game team go recently don't take this action lightly and our commitment to storytelling and finding new ways to do so remains the same Yada, 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 so on and so forth. All projects are currently in development are still in production. We have no further updates at this time. So that was as of three days ago. Um, it looks like it's reposted by uh, Jeff Keeley, who's a pretty good authority on that kind of stuff. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens with that. I don't know if they're going to close the doors again, but like Telltale has been so focused on the choose-your-own-adventure game. Like at a certain point, people lose interest in that stuff. Right, it, and then they kind of oversaturated themselves. So we'll see what yeah, happens with them. They definitely tried to expand too far too fast. They tried to take on so many different uh, 
uh, prop IPs right all at once. But do you think maybe it's also kind of a bad style? Their engine, I mean, whatever, however they're using their engine's always been kind of janky. It's it's been it it, it has its place. Like there's, there's it's a really hard space. Like a narrative game is uh, where the story is most of the game, right? Right. Um, it's not an easy space to build in. Like. What what does the player do? Uh, uh, make uh, make make a bunch of choices, right? Um, now there's some standouts that you know that worked really well. Like I can think of, you know, Batman was actually really fucking good. Um, Batman, The Wolf Among Us, and the first two seasons of The Walking Dead were actually yeah. uh, probably good. their hallmarks. Yeah, I think I think Batman being like the top of you know the the pinnacle of what they were uh, their craft but they haven't they've struggled to get to that point again you know i'd love to see another wolf among us but at this point it's probably easier for me just to go pick up the damn comics right you know uh so i mean hopefully they get their shit together and you know and you know they can make something of it but it's uh it's one of those things like I, I I didn't I haven't thought of them as relevant for a while now, and that's kind of sad because I mean they were super relevant for a short period of time, and then you don't see any. You see some games that uh, that come uh, that kind of follow along that path, like the uh, uh, the Dark Pictures uh, games, right? Right. Um, but it they're 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 niche games like there's they're they're good but only for those people who like to have that kind of narrative uh experience and they'll i don't think it ever really makes they'll never make it as big as they did with the first season of the walking dead no they've been chasing that forever right there's just nothing else like it when it came out and it was good right it's just yeah but then you know they started um uh, i think at one point they had um a third season of the walking dead wolf among us 2 something based on the game of thrones um borderlands i think that borderlands uh Bor- was- tales for the borderland from the borderlands and the a follow-up to the Batman game all at once, and I think they just tried to take on way too much all at, all at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trying to restart the studio uh, from where you left off, and wisely only only really focusing on Season 2 of The Wolf Among Us and maybe one other property is the right way to get back started, but, um, you know, restarting the studio in 2021, just coming back off of the pandemic. Um, and then the economy that the way that it has been these last two years, you know, that that's just a tricky time to try to get everything going again. Yep. So, 
I do wish him well. I hope Wolf Among Us Season 2 happens. I hope it's a great success for him. And I hope they can get back to doing what they do best, but they need to only focus on on one or two IPs at a time. Finish your stories before you take on anything else. All right. I'm about to pass the fuck out. Is that a bit about the uh, the extent of things? I think we can call it there. Cool. All right, guys. Well, with that, find us at tiltcast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash tiltcast. <laughs> Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash tiltcast, and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. <laughs> Subscribe. Find some friends of the Joe. The, the Joe. Yo. The show. Um, you've got for the love of gaming, you've got noquarters.net, you've got bmfcast.com and tvgp.tv. Um, they play Game Pass, and with that, it's the end of the show. Uh, already. Peace.